So we're in Leviticus chapter 19, please, still. Leviticus chapter 19, thank you again uh, for your prayers while we were gone. Uh, we are continuing in this series on daily holiness, okay, the standards of daily holiness. And again, as a reminder, uh, chapter 19 of Leviticus has what is probably claimed to be the most... Uh, the theme verse of the book in verse 2 of chapter 19 where the Lord says, Be ye holy for I the Lord thy God am holy. That God wants his people to be set apart and be different. Okay, and um, we've been kind of working on this. Now God had worked us through some of the offerings, some of the priest's garments, some of the holy days that we've seen. But God boils it down to everyday activities in our lives. And if we're not careful in a religious sort of uh, show, people can say, well, I spent four hours in prayer yesterday. So I am holy. I am representing the Lord. Um, it's not just activities that you might chalk up on a chalkboard as, hey, I earned brownie points with God in religious activities. God wants us to change our daily walk to reflect that we are his kids. Okay, and that's very important. Uh, and how many times have we had that concept in our minds that uh, there are folks in this world who are Christians, quote unquote, but only worry about being Christians on Sunday. Six days of the week they live for themselves, but Sunday is the day that they put on their church face and their church clothes and go act religious for a little while. And that does not represent God at all. If God is our Lord, like we say he is, and he is our father, we ought to be acting like we belong to his family every day. Okay, and so just a quick review, and today is not going to be long. Ah, okay, um, but a review of some of the things we've already looked at that God's remind us on this daily holiness so far in chapter 19. So uh, we'll be picking up in verse 13 in a minute, but just some an idea. Number one, he said, honoring your parents is a part of consistent daily standard of holiness and we talked about that it's not just giving them reverence um, but god is the one who gave you your parents and if you have your parents okay and you at least put them in a place of respect and honor you are understanding that god put you in that situation for a reason okay if you have problems with your parents and you're not giving them the honor that they deserve then you are resisting the fact that God put you in that relationship for a reason. So in essence, you're more upset with God than you are with your own parents. Okay, so remember, none of us got to sign up for the parents we wanted. We all got given the parents that God wanted us to have. Now, just a reminder, and I don't want to re-preach this, but does God make mistakes? Let me say that again. Does God make mistakes? No. So if God put you in the situation that you are in, then he had a reason for it. And honoring your parents is part of that. Now, your parents may be kind of people that don't deserve honoring, and I'm not going to disagree with that. But it's an act of deserving of God's sovereignty. You're realizing that he put you in that situation as the child of those people for a reason. Okay. Number two, we looked at keeping my Sabbaths. Okay, and as we talked about the fact that initially the Sabbath was not just Saturday. Okay, we automatically think Sabbath is Saturday. 
But God for the Hebrews made several Sabbaths, and the first one was the first day of the week, and then the seventh day of the week, and the two are tied together, and we looked at that, how remembering God on the Sabbath of the seventh is remembering that he is the creator of all things in this world. But remembering him on the first room is the he is the deliverer, the redeemer, the savior of his creation. So not only did he create it, but he had a plan to deliver it from the sin problem that it has. So there's more to Sabbath than just not going to work on one day a week. Okay, when God says to keep the Sabbaths. Uh, remember, he talked about do not have any idols. Okay, and that we talked about idols is materialism. Anything in this world that is uh, dominating your time can be an idol. Anything you put before God. Okay, and we talked about that. It's not just, I have little statues of little gods around my house. So oh, I don't have any of those, so I don't have an idol. But if you have anything in this material world that is more important to you than your relationship with your God, you should have a passion for God more than anything else. But, but, but what about my spouse? What about your spouse? What about my kids? What about your kids? If there's one relationship that we should be absolutely passionate about, it should be that relationship with our God. Number one, if anything else in this world draws that passion away and we're more passionate about something else than we are in our relationship with God, then it's an idol. Okay, and I, I was down south in the Bible Belt visiting family this last weekend, and um, what they were asking questions about how things up here in New England. And see, down south, they still are uh, to the point where it's cultural. You go to church because you go to church. You just don't miss church. Okay, you may not even necessarily believe in God, but you still go to church. Okay, because that's what you do. Okay, up here, I was explaining now, it's uh, Sunday's my fun day. You can have believers who actually are true Christians and have had their sins forgiven by Christ and think they're going to heaven and want to please God, but they have chosen other things to put their passion in and not God. Be careful, God says, that's an idol. There should be one most important relationship with you. Now, uh, let me put a commercial in. Uh, who do you communicate most with every day? I, I'm not going to answer that question for you, but my Bible tells me I can pray without ceasing, right? But uh, you communicate with your co-workers? I mean, some of you have got to work a 40-hour week, right? You're working eight hours a day in an office or wherever it is you are, making widgets or cleaning floors or running that Fortune 500 company. Anybody? <laughs> okay. Um, or our spouses or our pets. You know, sometimes we have more loving conversation with the animals that we have in our life than we do with our God. We ought to make sure that we don't have any materialism, any idols in us. Uh, remember, we talked about giving God the first fruits. And leaving some for the poor. Okay, we talked about that. That God wants the first fruits. Anything you and I get, our first thought is give the best and the first to God. And God made that perfect and clear in that farming community where he says, listen, if you're growing crops and the first harvest comes in, you give that to the Lord. 
you may not get a second harvest. Okay, the weather might completely destroy it. You are admitting, number one, God, I'm giving you the first because I know you're going to take care of me. To the point where you're going to take care of me so much, Lord, that I'm not even worried about gathering up the leftovers. I'm going to give those to the poor because, God, I believe you're going to take care of me. <laughs> See, we've kind of lost that imagery in our world today where we think everything is mine, every little penny, every little bit. And even, ooh, I found a $20 bill blowing across the parking lot. God, you're awesome to give me this gift. Well, maybe God's giving you that little extra because somebody needs that little extra, and it's not you. But we've been almost conditioned that any little blessing is mine. Mine. <laughs> okay, God says, listen, the first fruits is mine. I will take care of you and give you the harvest to the point that you can trust me so much. You can cast all your cares upon me so much that you actually can leave some of that stuff for others who need it. Trust God. He takes care of us. Amen. That's the major point behind giving. Is God's going to, you believe God will take care of you? When you believe, when you read that verse that says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus, that means he's going to supply all your need, right? But, 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 but. Give God his he guarantees to take care of you to the point where you can be free to give some of it to those who are in need. All right. Um, then we talk about honest speaking. Okay, that we're not supposed to lie to our neighbors. We're not supposed to bear false witness against other people. That our communication should reflect who we are and not hypocritical. I know a bunch of Christians, they say one thing and do another. God wants us to have a daily standard of holiness. Then he talked about, and here's the big one. How do you represent God's name? If you are a Christian, are you a Christian 24-7? Every moment of every day? Or are you just a Christian those times you're supposed to be a Christian to make that <clears throat> pious, pompous, religious impression on people? Or when they meet you out in your backyard, are you the same guy or the same lady that they see on a Sunday morning in church? I've had unfortunate circumstances in my life where I've not done it right, but I've had certain people here at our church. There was one fellow who was kind of important years back, and I ran into one of their neighbors, and they said, so-and-so, oh, they go to our church. And they, the phrase that came out of their mouth next was, oh, they go to church? Because their daily life wouldn't even have reflected that they went anywhere to church even. Let alone been in leadership at church. Our daily walk needs to reflect that we belong to God. If you're going to wear the sign that says, Christian, Jesus, God is my Lord, you better act like it. If not, don't wear the shirt. Alright, so that's where we've gone so far. Now we're going to pick up in verse 13. God gives us a few more pointers here through uh, Moses when he's dealing with Aaron and the children of Israel. Look if you went to verse 19. We'll start breaking this down through verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 19, verse 13 through verse 18. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shalt thou not, shalt not abide with me, with thee all night until the morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you that this is no game. This is not a mask that we put on once a week. 
Father, that being one of your children is not a religious activity. It is a lifestyle that reflects our God. And so, Father, oftentimes when we're asked if we're religious, I'm not religious. I just have a God who I know loves me and wants me to be better. And so, Father, we've already reviewed some of the things that you reminded us already. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to understand and be able to uh, apply these things into our lives on a daily basis. Help us to put them to practice. And it's a good reminder for those of us who have that these are things that you, our Father, want us to act like representing you in this world. Father, I'm still here, which means you want me to be represent representing you another day. Lord, if you didn't want that, you'd have brought me home. So, Father, I just pray that you'd help us to learn, help us to understand that we have a responsibility to act like the one who we claim as our God. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we see number one, relating to your neighbors. How do we now relate to these neighbors? So God give us some pointers. And who is a neighbor? Does that mean just somebody who lives the next door down? Okay, basically the best way to describe it is neighbors are the people who you are around. Okay, you can have neighbors at work. You can have neighbors down the street. But if you, I, I traveled to Virginia and I had some neighbors. Okay, the, it's basically the people that you meet are your neighbors, all right? Sound like a Sesame Street song there. People that you meet each day. Okay, right? They are your neighbors. Okay, I have a little fight. All right, number one, do not deceive, do not violate or oppress your neighbors. Did you see what the first part of this said? Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, meaning treat them with integrity and honesty. Don't cheat. Do the things you should do. You represent your God. Okay, and then one of the greatest things to remember, guys, is how does God treat you? Jim prayed when we were praying together this morning, reminding that God does not break a promise. Do you? If you are dealing with somebody in your life, do you cheat them? Do you defraud them? Do you are you honest with the way you handle things? That's what God would do. That's what he expects his kids to do. I still love the world. I wish we lived in it where lawyers didn't have a job and you can give a promise by handshake. That I said I was going to do this and that settles it because I said it. That's what this is talking about. Don't defraud the people in your life. If you can't do it, say you can't do it. Yeah, I teased a couple weeks ago with that phrase when somebody says, hey, Pastor, can you do me a favor? I'm like, uh, I don't know how to answer that because sometimes I can't do the favor they're asking. You know, if you say, yes, I can do you a favor, then they're like, all right, I got somebody I want you to beat up. <laughs> and as much as I might actually like to do that, uh, Hey, there's some times where you don't want to defraud someone. You don't want to make a promise. You don't want to make a statement that you are not going to be able to keep. God says, be careful not to defraud. Don't cheat. Don't met. Another thing, and this is a big one in Christian circles, don't misrepresent yourself or your needs. You don't know how hard things are right now. Money is so tight. Things are really, tr I need help. So the church takes up an offering and then, hey, look. What I got this week, a brand new cell phone. 
Be careful not to misrepresent, not to defraud. But sometimes we paint the card one color, and then all of a sudden we come around, oh, things weren't as, you just didn't have enough money for that extra thing that you wanted. You know, if you decide to spend all your money on widgets, don't uh, be surprised you can't buy knickknacks. <laughs> if you want knickknacks, take some widget money and put it toward knickknacks. I'm trying to pick words that's not going to offend anybody. Okay, I can't afford a brand new car. All these other people can afford brand new cars. How come I can't afford a brand new car? Maybe because you have a brand new boat. Just be careful that we don't misrepresent what's going on in our lives. Because you can defraud somebody by lying to them about what you're going to do for them. But you can also defraud somebody by misrepresenting what's going on in your life. Another one, and here we go. And this is where I'm going to come to boil it down to the nitty-gritty relationship thing. How many of you see somebody and go, hey, morning, how you doing? Do you really want to know how they're doing? <laughs> well, come on. Do you? Sometimes. What if you're on the opposite end of that? Good morning, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. You're not good. You're miserable. But sometimes we just let things go. Be careful, because again, sometimes we go through life just skimming the surface and don't realize that we're not taking this family relationship that we have seriously. That's why it's so important to see one another in your face. You say, how you doing? Well, things are great. I'm fantastic. You can tell right off the bat they're not fantastic. Don't defraud one another. Don't misrepresent. If you're hurting... Maybe let somebody know that you love and, and can help, you know, pray for you and be a support. Let them know. Well, I, 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 I'll tough it out, you know. I'm a man. God will provide my needs. We got it. Yeah, God provided your needs. Old story. You remember this? Uh, I didn't plan on this. I'm going to go longer than I thought. Okay. It was a flood. Okay, and the flood waters start keeping up. Everybody warned it. People, leave town. There's a flood. Okay, evacuation orders out. And the uh, cops come knocking at the door. You need to leave. No, no, God will provide. Okay, we'll be all set. God will provide. And the water starts creeping up, and the police show up in a, in a SUV. Knock on the door. You need to leave. No, we're trusting God. He will provide. A couple hours later, they drive a boat up to the house because the water is up to the first floor. Come on, get in the boat. You know, no, God will provide. Provide. And uh, no, no, sorry. So now they're on the roof of the house, and a helicopter's coming. Get on the helicopter. Okay. No, Lord's going to take care of us. He will provide. They drown and go to heaven. God says, welcome. And they said, God, I don't understand. Why didn't you provide? Yeah, I provided an SUV. I provided a boat. I provided a helicopter. <laughs> you know, sometimes we don't realize that God puts these things in our lives to be an aid to us, to be a help. Be honest about how you are doing. Because sometimes it's that boat or that helicopter or that SUV driving by that God just put there to give you the assistance that you need so you don't have to bear it all yourself. Oh, by golly, God's going to take care of me. Yeah, he's taking care of you by giving you a church family to meet needs, all right? Do not rob someone. 
Now, remember we talked uh, earlier in this chapter, a couple weeks ago, about robbing people with the way we speak, that we can diminish them and take away from their lives by our communication. Well, this is actually robbing someone in a specific way. And I'm going to hit this one. <laughs> Curl your toes up. Especially involved with paying people. If you agreed to have work done, pay. Pay the people for what they have done. And God is very specific in this. He says, the wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Now remember, their culture, if you worked a day on the field, you got paid at the end of that day. Some of you get paid it, oh, after a week. Some of you get bi-weekly. The object is if you contracted, contract, contracted with somebody to pay them, pay them. This is important when it comes in Christian circles. I've been told by many Christian brothers in the construction business, don't work for Christians. Because all of a sudden, because we're in Christ, they expect that uh, we're going to get a sweet deal out of the situation. Well, the, it, I, I charge this much money. You saw the quote. Well, I know it was it was $2,800, but I was hoping we, we could get away with like 2000 you know, we do go to the same church. If you agreed to pay somebody, be honest with what you agreed to. What do you think it looks like to the world? Here we're God's children, and we're supposed to be representing him in truthful and honest people. And the contractor goes out in the world, 2800 bucks. he gets his 2800 bucks. He knows another contractor who's a believer who goes to church who charged 2800 bucks but only got given 2000 by the church, by the Christian person that they know. What do you think that tells them about Christians? Again, if you shake hands on something, you better do what you're told, what you said. Be careful. Don't take advantage of it. It happens too often, and it gives God a bad name. I don't care what your name is. You want to act that way with your life, but it reflects bad on God's family. Be a person of your word. Do not take advantage of those with special needs. Look, if you would, to the next verse. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but thou shalt fear thy God, I am the Lord. Now, once you get this, he's making special conditions about treating people who have special needs. Okay, uh, I hate to use the phrase handicapped if it pops out of my mouth because this is one of those words you're not supposed to use anymore. Um, but we got to be careful that if somebody has a weakness, that we're not exploiting that. Now, notice I want you to see something, the specific wording. He doesn't just say a deaf person or a blind person. He says... Don't say things that a deaf person can't hear and don't do things or present things that a blind person can't see. There's very specific wording here, meaning, I, I put it this way, don't speak about things that they can't hear and don't hinder people with things they can't see. Now, there's a specific thing that deals directly with someone who has a handicap, but how many of us have said things about people that they can't hear? How many of us have presented 
or put hindrances in front of people that they didn't see. There's some depth to this. Just be careful. Don't The key phrase, if you want a word for this, it's weakness. Don't find somebody has a weakness and, and exploit that weakness. Okay, some of us are gullible. I love you. But did you know that gullible is written on the ceiling back there? Okay, how many have you turned and looked? Okay, some of us are very easy to tell stories to. Others are very cynical. Some of you are very giving. Some of you are very frugal. Don't take some of these areas of weakness in somebody's life and exploit them. This is what God is saying. Listen, don't curse a blind person. And it doesn't mean, remember we talked about that, it's, we're not talking about saying profanity about them. We're talking about saying bad things and cursing and, and, and you know, directing things at them that are hurtful. Don't do that to somebody who can't hear. Okay? And don't put a stumbling block. Don't cause somebody to have a problem that they can't see. Don't put a stumbling block in somebody. You, you get the visualization here? Okay, I'm blind, so let's stretch out a rope in front of me to make me trip on purpose. You get the understanding? This is normal, everyday kind of stuff God's hitting on. Um, but I have another thought. We've been looking at how many times God has spiritual meanings behind these instructions. How many of us have known people who are a little spiritually handicapped? Haven't quite gotten to the level we are. And I don't mean that because even thinking that you're at a level can be kind of snobbish. But you know, there's certain folks that come to church and one of the reminders of me, and this is, I'm going to say this just because it's the most vivid way to present it without being hurtful to maybe some, some churches, especially down south where dress is a little bit more important. If a young lady would show up at the door in pants, there would be men at the door, turn her around and tell her to go home and get dressed properly before she came to church. Okay? Now, I'd, I'd like to see some of, somebody try to pull that with one of our ladies. Probably get a Bible thrown at them or something. Before. But you understand that kind of, I'm judging you. You do not fit in here. Go away until you fit. Now, that's a very, very physical illustration of sometimes what you and I need to be careful of. Boy, do you hear the mouth on them? Man, they only accepted Jesus two weeks ago. Give them a break. Do you know how badly they smell like cigarettes? They're growing. When did you become sinless? Ye who are without sin, cast the first stone. I don't know about you, but we all got our problems. I'm number one. We ought not to be making sure that uh, we're judging folks before they hit the door. Don't take advantage of people who are maybe spiritually handicapped in an area, have a spiritual weakness. Thank the Lord that God reached their heart and they're a believer and they're growing. Right? Little Joey. 
you know, his, his, bro his brother, Billy, walked when he was 14 months old. It's like 15 months and little Billy, he's not walking yet. I wonder if there's a problem with him. No, he's, he's always been a little slow. Oh, at 16 months, he's not, he's, he's just not walking the same way. Oh, man, I wonder if he has motor skill problems. People grow at different rates, don't they? Well, my two children, uh, the two boys, because they were close in age, Gideon, of course, being the oldest, kind of got up and walked and did his thing on a normal thing. Micah, 18 months behind him in years, or 15, I don't know. I'll ask my wife, she'll tell you. Um, did this army crawl. And, you know, he never really crawled, didn't toddle much. One day he got up on his on, on, on his two legs and just ran and started running and hasn't stopped. He didn't do that toddle thing where, you know, you're in the middle of there. He just one day stood up and phew, he was gone. You know, it's like, that's not how it's supposed to happen. Children grow at different rates. Don't we grow at different rates spiritually? Don't, just because somebody has a weakness, don't exploit it. Don't throw a stumbling block in front of the blind. Don't curse the deaf. Each one of us have our issues. And man, isn't it good that God is patient with us? Man, it's awesome. Okay. Notice, don't judge people wrongly. Next verse. Do not, uh, excuse me, ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect a person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. I mean, verses we know very well, don't be, God is no respecter of persons. Okay, we need not be respecter of persons, but I like this. It says, do not respect the poor. Now that wouldn't be necessarily the first thing you'd think of when you're talking about it. You would think, don't shun the poor, and honor the mighty. Wouldn't that be the natural thing you'd think? Oh, they're a poor person. They're not as important. Or they're a mighty person. They should be really important. But that's not the issue. Notice something here. We see this today. Don't give somebody extra honor and respect because they're poor. And we see that happening. Just case in point, and I know this doesn't happen, and I don't want to get political, so come with, up to me and argue about it later. I'm going to tell you, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> but we're just talking right now about certain people who are crossing the border, who our government is going to give $450,000 just because they're poor people who have come across the border and are separated from their families. I saw a meme yesterday that said, uh, I'm, I serve in the armed forces for our country, and I've been separated from my family for two years. Where is my two four hundred and fifty thousand dollars okay, The object is, they're poor, so we need to lift them up. The Bible right here says, do not do that. You don't say, oh, that poor person, I need to give them an extra amount of my concern, my love, my care. That's a respecter of persons, too. To say... And you can see this, this is the natural response of a human being, is if somebody's very important, you kowtow to them and, and want to give them extra respect because, oh, you, you know, do you know who I am? And we give them extra respect because of their position. But the Bible here is saying be careful because you can do the same thing with a poor person. 
you can get let them get away with stuff that you wouldn't let other people get away with just because of their social status. That is still a respecter of persons. I wrote it down this way. The poor do not lift them up. The mighty do not puff them up. Now, does that mean we shouldn't be reaching out and taking care of those who need it? I didn't say that. But you shouldn't be going, oh, well, I need to focus all my attention on this group of people and treat them a certain way the rest of the people forget about. That's a respecter of persons. And you can do that just as much. And we see that in certain political realms in our world, that because a person might be in a lower standing culturally, that they deserve more attention and more respect and more availability of help than anybody else. And that's not biblical. Did you see it with me? Let's read that one more time. I want to make sure you're seeing that this is not something I'm inventing. God says, thou shalt not respect the person of the poor. That word respect means to lift up. You need to treat people fairly across the board. You don't just treat people who are poor at a level that you wouldn't treat somebody else. You don't treat people who are rich at a level that you don't treat somebody else. You treat